In what areas of your life are you unsatisfied or unfulfilled? Well, today at Common Bond Church, we'll discuss God's plan for you and I to be satisfied, fulfilled, and at rest in every area of life through our relationship with Him. Stay tuned for more. Imagine yourself on a hot, sandy desert, miles away from civilization and without water. Oh, I forgot to tell you, you're all alone. You are not safe from the elements. The heat is bearing down on you. If you're anything like me, the very first thing that you will want to do is get away from that deserted place. A lot of the things that we are unsatisfied in life or unfulfilled, biblically, is described as a season of wilderness a place where we are outside the boundaries of God's promise. And today I wanted to share with us God's plan to get us to a greater place where we actually are learning to be fulfilled and satisfied in every area of life. It says, therefore, the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. You know, that quote is reminding us of the story of the children of Israel when they left Egypt and was on their way to the promised land. Well, before they got there, God sent them into the wilderness. He sent them into an experience that was very similar to what I described in that hot, sandy desert. You know, they were desolate. Uh, they weren't close to the boundaries of civilization, but they were out there on alone, without water, without provision. And it was a season for them to understand how to tap into a relationship with God that would lead them toward faith and obedience. But here was the problem. The children of Israel never learned the lessons that God desired them to learn in the wilderness. So instead of using it as a season to grow in God, they actually just wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. The first thing I'd like to share with you about the wilderness experience is found in Exodus chapter 16. Because God actually led the children of Israel into the wilderness of sin. First, he gave them a promise and he told them he was going to give them a land filled with milk and honey, a land called Canaan. But in order to get there, they were actually going to have to go through the wilderness. Let me read for you another passage in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Here's how it reads. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God is always desiring to give people an anchor. He's desiring to give us a benchmark of where we should place our faith and how we should begin to live our life. And so many of us, when we have these desires and we have these things that we want to see accomplished in our life, they're because God put them in our belly. He has given us something that we can actually proceed and move in life. You know, when we think about the children of Israel, they were given that deposit of hope in their life. They were told they were supposed to receive the promised land of God. And God now desired them to have that courage, to have faith in him to be able to accomplish that promise. Well, here's what they started to do. In Exodus chapter 16, verse two, it reads, and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of God in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full 
for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly, with hunger. See, for one of the first things that prevented the children of Israel from moving forward in their life in God is that they began to complain and that they began to grumble as the scripture described it. That actually shows us that they were dissatisfied with God. They were dissatisfied with their life, but they really didn't understand that the dissatisfaction was supposed to lead them to a greater relationship with God. You know, all of our dissatisfactions in life show us that there is something that we long for that is greater, that we don't have exactly in our life today. And that's where God now steps in because he is able to provide us with answers to the things that we actually desire. Let me give you an example. Here's what Psalm 42 says. As a deer pants for flowing streams of water, so shall my soul paint for God. See, our unsatisfactions is kind of like that deer that is panting for some refreshment. In the same kind of way, our soul gets empty and the only place of fulfillment that we can actually find rest in is supposed to be God. That's what the psalmist is actually saying. He says, so shall my soul pant for God as well. When we are empty in any area of life, it is an opportunity for us to actually come to God and actually tell him about the things that we desire the things that we are unfulfilled with, the things that we are not satisfied. And God will say, I want to be that answer for you in our life. But the children of Israel would not come to God. They would not tell him about the things that they were not satisfied in life. Instead, they just grumbled. Instead, they just complained. And that is the first characteristic to know if you and I are in the wilderness. Because when we are in the wilderness, we'll be a complaining people. We'll be a grumbling people. So I challenge you today to begin to look at your life and see, well, what are the things that I complain about? What are the things I grumbled about? The second thing that we see about the children of Israel in their wilderness experience is that they had misplaced anger. Verse eight reads, your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. That's Moses speaking. And he's telling the children of Israel, you're not angry at me. You're not angry at Aaron because of the things that are happening in your life. You're really angry at God. And that's an interesting perspective to have and think about because we might share that same reality too. You know, when we are upset or angry in life and we are shouting at other people, we are getting upset at others that are around us, maybe the people that are around us really didn't do anything. Maybe we have some kind of deep down anger that is really against God that we haven't shared with him yet. You know, maybe we are upset that we are don't have the job that, that we have wanted. Maybe we have not had the kids that we have wanted. Maybe we don't have the spouse that we have wanted yet. Uh, Maybe the dream that we have in our heart hasn't come to fulfillment. And so there are bitter things that just, just are festering within us and we haven't yet resolved it in God. And so Moses is sharing the same thing with the children of Israel, you know, telling them that you've got to bring this issue to God. You've got to let him deal with the issue that you're struggling with and not bring that anger into other people who really didn't bring this issue in your life. One other thing that we see with the children of Israel in this wilderness experience is disobedient behavior. God wanted the children of Israel to depend on him, to trust him so that he could actually truly be God in their day-to-day lives. And so what he would do is that he would lead them into this wilderness 
a place that had no water, a place that had no food, but he was going to be their God and provide the things that they actually needed. So he provided miraculous water for them when they needed it. He provided quail for them when they needed it. He also provided for them manna on heaven, a bread that no one in history has ever tasted before except the children of Israel. Now, when God actually gave them the bread on heaven, he gave them specific orders. He said it would be good for only one day. Eat as much as you want that day, but don't store it up because I want you to come back to me again the next day for some more manna, some more bread on heaven. But the children of Israel were disobedient. Here's how it reads in verse 20 of Exodus chapter 16. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. And that's where God is trying to help us to see and understanding is that part of getting to a place of satisfaction, the place of promise that God desires for us, it includes a walk of obedience. Instead, oftentimes we actually walk in disobedience. And what we don't know about disobedience is that God probably considers that sin, but you and I think it's not that big of a deal. But it's a big deal in God. You know, God desires us to walk in faith with him. And whenever we walk in doubt, whenever we walk in disobedience, not doing what he says, it actually prevents us from actually getting to the promised land of God. And so today, here's a helpful reminder of understanding that whatever God is calling us to do, it's important that we do it. Deuteronomy chapter 28 said it this way, and I'd like to share with you these passages of scripture. Verse one reads, if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord will set you on high above all the nations of the earth and all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And so you can see why the children of Israel were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, they had some characteristics in their life that let them just stay in the wilderness. One, they had a complaining spirit. Uh, two, they had misplaced anger and they did not deal with their issues in a proper way by actually coming to God. And three, they were people that continually were disobedient to God. So as we think about you know, what that means for our life, if you are considering what the wilderness could look like in your own personal experiences, I suggest look at those three areas. See where you're complaining, See where you have misplaced anger. See where you've been disobedient and understanding those are the things that are maybe preventing you from actually getting to the promises that God actually desires for you in your life. So what's the greatest commandment that God has for our life? It's simple. It's to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. You know, when we think about love from this vein and this theme, it begins to give us an enlightened perspective of how to walk with God, with full trust, and with full abandonment. You know, loving God means that we'll have this opportunity to no longer complain and no longer to grumble at the things that are happening in our life because we love him and we come to him understanding that he's going to provide the best for us. We don't have the misplaced anger in our life as well because we understand that there's a God, again, who we can depend on, who we can trust in, who we understand always has a perfect plan and a will for our life. And then it makes our obedience so much easier because we understand once again that God is only leading us in a way that actually is going to be good for us. You know, so loving God is really the key so that we take this next step to really get to a place of faith and trust in him. And that faith and trust in God will lead us to a beautiful rest. Let's read what it says in Hebrews chapter four, verse eight. For if Joshua had given them rest, 
God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, just as God did. So there's a place where we can receive rest and relief in God. And when I think about our rest in God, I, I think about how we spend our whole lives trying to get a little bit of rest. You know, we work five days a week to possibly rest on Saturday and Sunday. You know, or we work, you know, 365 days in a year so that we have two weeks off and take a great vacation so that we can get a little bit of rest. And sometimes we work till we're 65 so that we can get a little bit of rest in God. Well, he's actually trying to tell us in another way that you can actually live a life in me where you're resting consistently. And that rest in God means that we understand, just as God was trying to teach the children of Israel, that every single day I can come to him for manna. Every single day he's going to provide provision for me in my life so that I actually need it. Even in relationships, God has a rest for us. You know, whenever we are barren in life, God is saying to you and I that there's a place in me that actually can be your sufficiency. When I think about relationships, I think about the fact that there is a certain kind of intimacy that we are desiring that only God can actually provide for us. And I really think about uh, John chapter 17, for example, that I actually want to read for you now and actually see how God actually shares with us how he can actually be our provider even in that area of life. In verse one of chapter 17, Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes on heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, you to give eternal life to whom all you have given. And he defines this as eternal life, that they may know you, the only God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, well, what does Jesus Christ mean in verse three, when he says to you and I, that this is eternal life, to know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He is not just talking about a head knowledge or a scholastic knowledge. He is talking about a heart knowledge, an intimate knowledge. You know, the word to know in this passage is gnoso, a word that actually refers to an intimate knowledge about people. You know, sometimes you only know somebody when you are intimately equated, like a spouse or somebody that you actually grew up with. You know their ins and outs better than anyone else. You know it better than a biography. Well, Jesus Christ is saying to you and I the same thing, is that eternal life to him it's not just a place that we actually get to after we live life on here. He says it is a present reality of actually knowing him day by day intimately. You know, it's a way for you and I to understand that God wants us to be in his presence in a consistent manner. And so when you and I are in God's presence consistently, we have the kind of intimacy that is greater than any other relationship in this world. And that's how God begins to be our source even in the area of relationships. And it enables us to have even a greater relationship with other people because we're already fulfilled in that area of life. Now, the basis of that intimacy in God becomes the source of our happiness. It becomes the source of our fulfillment. It becomes the source of all things that we actually need in life. Because once we have God, we have all things that are necessary. He is the creator of all the world. He is sovereign. He has all authority. If we need provision, he becomes Jehovah Jireh. If we need healing, he becomes Jehovah Rapha. If we need peace, he becomes the shalom for our life. He becomes everything because we have him. You know, God is simply trying to transfer us from believing in things 
believing in ourselves, believing in other sources, to actually placing that trust in him. And that's when we truly find the rest in God. So the rest that God is trying to provide for us starts today. It starts with a relationship with God where we are engaging into his presence. When I think about engaging in the presence of God, you know, I think about ways where we keep our mind focused on God. We live in such a busy world and such a reality that oftentimes we quickly get deviated from the thoughts of God. But being in his presence is really simple. It simply means turning our mind back to the good things of God, thinking about his scriptures, thinking about his goodness and, and the things that he has done in our own lives, thinking about the things that he has done over 2,000 years ago on the cross, consistently bringing ourselves back into this presence of God. I read a great book recently that shared some practical tips about how to be in the presence of God. You know, there's a man who every second of every minute tries to think about God. You know, it's that, that reality once again of just fixing your mind back on God. I also think that it's just a great reality to understand when we are thinking about God, thinking about his goodness, miraculously there comes an opportunity for us where we are engaged in hearing God's voice back to us. Because more that we're in his presence, the more that he begins to speak to us. You know, Psalm chapter one says, meditate on the Lord day and night and good things will actually happen to us because God will begin to engage in us in a very significant way. It is such a beautiful experience to know that God has invited you and has invited me to be part of his life, to actually know him in an intimate way. It enables us to be fulfilled in every single area of life because he is going to provide exactly what we need once we come to him. The intimate daily engagement with God in his presence leads us to our eternal resting God. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13 says it this way. I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. There's a blessing to those who actually die in the Lord. We receive a greater resting God from all the labors that this world could actually ever provide for us. So let us live this life with that hope in mind that our great rest, our great contentment, our great satisfaction comes through Christ Jesus, who has given us the power over all of death. When I worked in corporate America, I always felt unsatisfied. I always felt that there was more that was supposed to happen in my life. And I really believe that God has spoken deep in the well of my heart to tell me to take a next step of faith. And as I took that step of faith, it ended up being the greatest journey of my life. And as I think about that journey today, one of the things that I never expected is that my relationship with God would actually grow day by day. Because what the journey has meant for me, it has meant that I needed to depend on God every step of the way. I needed to depend on God for finances. I needed to depend on God in my health. I needed to depend on God for peace. I needed to depend on God for intimacy. You know, all those things began to show up when I actually placed God at the center of every single need that I actually had in life. And so today I'm on this journey of contentment, on this place of rest in God until we actually receive the final prize, which is the eternal glory that God has for each and every one of us. And I pray you do the same thing that we are all doing in God. Amen. If this message has been a blessing to you, I'd love for you to go to our website at commonbondchurch.org and fill out a comment card or even give us a prayer request. We'd love to stay connected with you and actually hear about all the great things that God's actually doing with you and through you because of this message. I can't wait to see you next time. Have a great day.
Thank you.